This podcast is brought to you by Upgrade Fitness, Guernsey's new state-of-the-art gym, purpose-built for gym goers by gym lovers. Head to upgrade.fitness to find out more. Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast, rounding up the best of Bailiwick Sport every week in association with Upgrade Fitness. Uh, Coming up on this week's show, uh, we'll hear from coach and chair of Guernsey Raiders ahead of their first home league game of the season on Saturday. They welcome Seven Oaks to Foots Lane at the start of a big campaign for the club in National 2. You know, it's it's a great competition to be in. We've got a pretty durable squad at the moment, not as big as we'd like, but that, that's the, the factor of living in Guernsey, but we're pretty excited to get the campaign going. An extended chat with Jordan Reynolds and Andrea Harris to come. Uh, in a big week of interinsular action as well, we'll reflect on a record-breaking day of cricket at the KG5. Record-breaking for Jersey, that is. Uh, and talk golf as well, as Guernsey's juniors dominate their island rivals ahead of this weekend's main events across the water. I'm Tony Kerr, and with me to do all that is the Guernsey Press Sports Editor, Gareth Prevo. Hi, Tony. How you doing? Very well, and yourself? Excellent, excellent. Yeah, my uh, sunburn uh, just about kind of dying down after the weekend. Yeah, you seemed uh, rather red-nosed last week after yeah, the cricket. I was pretty uh, pretty rouge. Um, but there we go. Uh, let, let's start with the cricket then, because uh, it has been a few days. Um, it's probably taken a few days for, for it to really settle in, I guess, on uh, sort of about what, what, what Jersey achieved on Saturday. Because, um, yeah, we went in with with uh yeah some optimism for Guernsey and certainly with about 20-25 overs gone um in Jersey's innings uh that optimism seemed pretty well founded uh we were we were doing all right and then um yeah just a, an unbelievable partnership between two players took the game away from Guernsey to a point where it was kind of well it, they were never really going to get it back or it was so unlikely they were going to get it back uh as uh yeah as Jersey won pretty comfortably yeah, it was, um, to be honest, it was one of those, that, as much as I hate to admit it, it was pretty special to, to witness it. Um, John T. Jenner and Zach Tribe putting on 208 unbeaten for the fifth wicket. It's, it's, a, it's a new Jersey record for, or new record partnership um, for any wicket in the, in the Intrinsula. And they just bat it beautifully. You know, it's, it's one of those things that I don't think Guernsey bowled particularly badly. Um, they would, looking back, you'd love to have perhaps another couple more options to look for, you know, in, in your attack. But they didn't do an awful lot wrong, and they they re- reduced Jersey to 108 for four in the 25th over. You'd be pretty happy with that as any Guernsey captain. It's on a decent deck. I mean, it was a good toss to win because there was a bit of moisture on the pitch, and we made the most of that. But then, you know, once those two t- came together, they they just were absolutely superb, and you just have to take your hat off to that because that uh, Jonty Jenner played one of the best innings I've, I've ever seen in an Interinsula, uh, 160 not out. Um, he, he got to 50, I think, off 62 balls, I think, if I remember rightly. And he got to his 160, well, he faced 94 overall. So it shows the acceleration in his innings. It was absolutely fantastic. And some of the shots, I mean, nowadays you have to be a 360 batter, as, as a lot of people know. And, you know, it's just so hard to bowl to someone when they're in that form. They've got themselves in on a good wicket. And yeah, he was just outstanding. And to be fair, Zach Tribe wasn't far behind. I think Zach Tribe um, almost beat him to 50, but then John T sort of upped the ante a bit. And yeah, it was one of those that um, by the time they were sort of leaving the, the wicket at the end of their, their innings, even those Guernsey guys 
staunch Guernsey supporters in the crowd standing up applauding. It was just that good. And sometimes you just have to say they, they were better than us on the day. You know, it's it, it wasn't hard to take. Like Some defeats can be hard to take if it's really close and what have you. That one, by the time the first innings was over, you pretty much knew what the result was going to be in terms of who was going to win. Guernsey will be disappointed they didn't score more runs. Uh, Matt Stokes batted really well and it was over and done with all too early. He got 31 in no time at all, no problem. Um, it's one of those games where you, if you would have scored 250 or whatever, it would have been a bit more respectable. To lose by 173, it looks like a complete hammering, but you're just so deflated after that first innings that you can understand why it's gone sort of badly with the bat. I don't look too closely at how, how we batted in that um, in that reply because the game had pretty much gone. And yeah, it's just one of those that it's hard to say it, but um, just really well played to Jersey on, on that day. And it, it was something special to witness. Yeah, Zach tried probably um, sort of slightly hard done by not to have got a century himself. I mean, he, he had the chance. If he hit six off the final ball of the innings, he would have got to his ton. Well, yeah, it, it, he was looking like he was going to finish sort of perhaps in the 80s. And then all of a sudden with three balls to go, I think he was uh, he, he hit back-to-back fours, which got him to 95. And then the the last ball was actually, it was probably in the slot to go for six as well. I think he just tried to hit it too hard, knowing that it's sort of like it was six or nothing when it, with, with regards to his century. And uh, he sort of just inside edged it for one. And yeah, I mean, 96 not out is a fantastic score in any intrinsula. But I suppose he's going to have that little sort of nagging feeling that he could have made his, his century. But um, I'm sure he'll have another chance. But they they just batted so well. Um, yeah, you just uh, just sometimes just have to stand up and applaud. Yeah, it was uh, a great partnership. Um, I had to check actually when I read your match report uh, afterwards, uh, and it listed Jonty as being 25. I was like, I, 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 was, I thought he was about 30. I don't know. <laughs> I, I had to check that he got that right because um, that that's quite scary. I mean, you know, he's been someone who's been, um, you, you know, his talent's been evident for for years, hasn't it? Already, uh, even at a young age, but but hasn't quite ever um, delivered uh, in an interinsular context and it, you know, did it in some style and then produced an unbelievable catch as well to get rid of Ben Fitchett. Uh, yeah, who, well, you know, who 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 had started really brightly and and you know probably unfortunate to be uh, to be out on that. Yeah, of all the fielders to pick for that one, I think Jonty was the worst one. I mean, yeah, like you say, Jonty is a fielder. We we know how, how brilliant he is in the field and he, he's shown that in, in many games. Um, with the batting intrinsulars, I felt in 50 over contests in the past, he's, he's looked to be almost too aggressive to start with. He's sort of gone after everything from the off and it hasn't really worked at all. Um, this time he sort of, he, he took his time to play himself in, in sort of in relation to how he usually bats perhaps. And I mean, he, his running between the wickets is second to none in the Channel Islands. He is, he is just lightning between the wickets. Um, it sort of takes me back to watching Steve Carline and Matt Haig when they used to open the batting for Jersey. And they'd run, if, if they got bat on ball, they'd basically run. And that's almost what Jonty does. And it's it's so hard to stop because he's so quick as well. Um, but yeah, his uh, the way he settled into his innings was was really impressive. And then just sort of when the acceleration came, it, it was just sort of like, you just couldn't do much about it. If you beat the field at the moment at the KG5, just the nature of the outfield is you're going to get four or, or six as, as it happened. I think he hit four sixes in the end. Um, but yeah, it was something that you don't see very often. It, it's hard when it comes against Guernsey and Interinsula, but sometimes you, I actually walked away from that game saying, saying to a lot of people who are obviously disappointed with the result are saying, just make the most of what you've just seen because it was something really, really impressive. Well, let's hear from both camps now. Um, Guernsey's interim captain, Matt Stokes, um, skippering his first Interinsula. Um, but first, uh, the Centurion and man of the match, John T. Jenner. 
How does it feel to score a hundred in an interest slow? I mean, it, obviously, it's still a big game, and uh, not many people have done it before. Yeah, no, absolutely. Obviously, interest is always quite a big day. I think across both the islands, and it's obviously sort of family-wise. We're a bit of Jersey, and a bit of Guernsey, <laughs> so um, yeah, nice, nice to score a hundred today. And it's one of those things that growing up, you always kind of, I don't know, think that you're going to do it. Yeah. Never really necessarily going to do it, but nice to nice to do it today and, and get a win. I was going to say, you actually, when you came to the crease, it pretty evenly poised, to be honest. The first 25 overs was quite even. So, so what was your mindset going out there? Yeah, well, I mean, the boys who batted on the top, so uh, Duddy, Patrick, steve and Asa, it was quite tough work for the first 20 overs. I think the wicket was just drying out a little bit. And they actually set up the game really nicely. And it was a nice platform for, for Zach and myself to come in. And Zach, obviously, has not played loads and loads of games for us. And he batted beautifully, um, scoring 95 and out there as well. So nice to bat with Zach. Uh, we ran really well between the wickets, get bowed as well we needed to. So, yeah, really, really good day from a batting point of view. And then we backed up in the field as well. Yeah. I mean, from sort of a player's perspective, when you're leaving the in, sort of after scoring 316, do you, do you feel like the, the opposition might be quite deflated after what's just happened? Yeah, I think so. At the same time, I think it was probably flattening out a little bit. Um, and Gaffey played a lot of cricket of, of recent against some good sides, so we knew that they'd be right up for it interinsular at home. So we still had to, to bowl and field well, which I think we did for the most part. So, yeah, really nice to get a very, very competitive win. Yeah. I've said to your dad before, it was 25 years since he was captain in Guernsey, so <laughs> it does feel a bit strange, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, no, no, I know. He was giving me the spiel last night about how important the interim is, so I kind of sat there and nodded and pretended I was interested. But um, yeah, no, I'm sure I'm sure it'll be nice to go and have a beer with him now and, and have a chat through that. <laughs> uh, Matt, commiserations on, on the defeat, but um, sort of 25 overs in, you must have been sort of quite content with how things are going. It looked like it was set up to be a, a good game and then sort of a very special partnership was taken away from you. Yeah, well, we, well, I definitely thought that 104 for 4 off 25 overs so if we could just nip two more wickets 130 for 6 is a complete different game um, but then a quite brilliant part, part, partnership of 200 um, without really giving a chance we had one chance in the 30 or 25 overs that they uh, batted together which sort of took the game away from us um, but having said that I was pleased about how we went about our batting we, were, we weren't sort of afraid to play our shots and I was happy that we were going a five, five and a half and over throughout. The only bit is we lost wickets irregularly in tours and that kills you in a game um, like that. If if you sort of take us our end score and if you take it 140 for two off of 25, 30 overs, then oh, hang on a minute, we're really in this game. So it's just a learning curve, but it's a building block and I, we're not that far away um, and playing more games like that will um, definitely put us on the right path. Yeah. And sort of talking about being quite content halfway through that innings, was it a case of at lunch because of that partnership? Everyone was quite deflated as well, though. I mean, even though it's sort of only halfway through the game, chasing 316 when you thought maybe it might be under 200 at one yeah. stage, you know, it must be, it's sort of the, the morale must be sort of going downwards. Yeah, it was. But then we sort of took a step back and thought, actually, this wicket, it's a really good wicket. And actually, we can quite happily. And we thought about it, we can score 320 runs. And Batting out there, we thought, well, yeah, no, there are runs. And every batter that went in and came out was like, yeah, it's it's one that we should have really should have really got a lot closer. Um, so yeah, it's just yeah, it's just one of those things. Yeah. Um, but as a as a group, as as like a, as an island squad, as such, I mean, the season has actually been quite a positive experience, isn't it? You're not going to sort of just yeah. have, rely, uh, have this as your defining moment of the season. Yeah, um, I think well, our last fifty over of. Um, this year and we'll, we'll look back at it but we will look at all of the positives in particular so we've got the beating the Hampshire Academy beating the MCC scoring 350 beating uh, Germany 
um, chasing and defending. Um, so there's so many positives to take away from it. And that's what we'll be focused upon. Matt Stokes and John T. Jenner there, John T. Guernsey born as well. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, what could have been? Um, and it's not the end of the season, though, is it, for Guernsey's men? They're off to uh, Malaga um, for a European cricket tournament in a few weeks now, um, a T10 competition, kind of the the uh, sort of the national equivalent of the uh, club um, Champions League that the Indies and Griffins have been to. And by all accounts, uh, sounds like they take a decent team as well. So that'll be an interesting experience, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 going to be good in terms of building that sort of squad relationship you know getting the, the, the to gel as a unit it'll be an interesting competition t10 perhaps isn't our our best suit in as um, as cricketers but um yeah, it'd be good to face a new opposition. I think we're actually facing Jersey in our group in that. Um, but yeah, the, the guys from Indies and Griffins who have been away to the, the Champions League as such uh, earlier in the year, they'll, they'll have a they'll have a bit of knowledge about what's what's required in those matches. And yeah, it'll, it'll be a, a different experience and uh, hopefully a, a beneficial one for our, our national squad. Yeah, and just finally, a quick word on a couple of the Guernsey players. Um, there were debbies, weren't there, for, for Ben Fitcher? As I said, he, he started really well in his innings. And Dane Mullin as well, who was the, the pick of the bowlers, really, um, with a couple of big scalps. And it, it was fantastic to see uh, the passion on display for him and, and, and the ability as well. Um, a really good addition to the side. Yeah, I thought Dane bowled very well. I mean, to be fair, most of the Guernsey's bowling figures, they're not, they're not fantastic, but... Um, he, um, I think he bowled better than what the figures suggest. Like a bit like Luke Bishard as well, they bowled a lot better than what the figures were. But he he produced an absolute corker to get rid of um, Asa Tribe. Did Dane? Dane, his first ball was hit for four by Asa Tribe with one of the shots of the day. It was it was one of those shots you see and you just think that that's a level above what we play at. And Asa, before the interinsular, scored a hundred on de- debut for Glamorgan seconds. Since the interinsular, he scored another hundred for Glamorgan seconds. So he's in pretty decent nick, it's fair to say. And he looked. He looked like he wanted to score 100 against Jersey, uh, against Guernsey, sorry. And um, yeah, the, the first ball from Dane, he just punched this ball through the covers for four. And we had a, a boundary rider out on the, on the offside field, uh, on the offside rope, and uh, they got nowhere near it. It, was, it went like an absolute rocket. And then the very next ball, Dane produced an absolute perler, which nipped back and hit the top of his middle stump. And it was just a fantastic ball. And he did pretty much likewise to uh, Ben Stevens, I think it was, he got out the other time. So Dane bowled well. I thought Luke Bishard bowled really well, for, considering he got sort of no wickets. It was a bit of a shame for him. Um, but yeah, and like you say, I think Ben Fitchett, I, I like him at the top of the order. He's got um, he's got a bit of a no fear attitude, Fitchy, and and he does time the ball really nicely. A couple of nice fours early on, and yeah, unfortunately, it was Jonty Jenner who um, who was able to take a remarkable catch, jumping high above his head at backward point, one handed. And it was just a thing. As soon as you saw who was under it, you thought, this is going to be out. Yeah, it? it's going to stick, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and he did. He made it stick. Um, to be fair, that's one other thing you have to say about Jersey last week. Uh, Guernsey all out for 143. I think four of those catches could be described as outstanding. Jonty's was a beauty. Um, Reese Palmer took a good catch. Chuggy Pershard's caught and bowled off Will Peatfall was absolutely stunning. And um, the, the catch behind which Jake Dunford took standing up um, off, off a ball which rose quite, quite sharply sort of off a length and took the shoulder of a bat. He caught that one. He made it look very simple, but it wasn't an easy catch at all. So it, it's just it just goes to show how good Jersey are at the moment. And um, I, I think Guernsey have got to realise that we've got quite a lot of talent as well. And we just need to um, just work as a, as a unit and sort of... Don't don't measure yourselves too closely on Jersey. We can give Jersey a good game. We, you know, on another day, you never know. We could have um, turned 108 for four into 140 for six or seven, and there have been a lot of pressure. Just so happened that a very special partnership came along. 
Right, let's put cricket to one side and uh, yes, <laughs> yeah, uh, and turn our attention to rugby um, because, um, well, because it's going to be a very big few weeks ahead. We've got the World Cup starting on Friday. Um, we're recording this on Thursday, so looking forward to to the start of that. England, of course, opening their um, campaign on Saturday night, um, which will be a couple of hours after Guernsey Raiders have played their first home game of the season against Seven Oaks. So it's going to be a blockbuster afternoon, I'm sure, uh, down at the grandstand. Um, we're here from Andrea. Harris, uh, chair of the club, and Jordan Reynolds, obviously long-standing uh, director of rugby. In a moment, they've been in for a chat. Um, first of all, Gareth, just let's touch on what happened at the weekend because they they started on the road and uh, a pretty high-scoring encounter, which they uh, came out on the, the wrong side of. Yeah, um, Henley won 43-33 against Raiders last week. It was one that um, speaking to Jordan, sort of after that game, he, he was he was quite, you can tell the disappointment in his voice straight away that how how slow Raiders started. They they took a, quite a while to get warmed up and they left themselves with a big mountain to climb they were um, 16 points down at half time so they won the second half quite comfortably and um, by all accounts they played very well that second half and it's just yeah it, it's yet again sort of wanting to put that 80 minute performance together and not just relying on sort of fits and starts but uh, I think they'll take they'll take some um, some comfort from the fact they came away with a bonus point that could be very uh, crucial when you look at some of the scores on the opening weekend there's some really tight games in national 2e so i think it will be a, a pretty pretty tightly packed table throughout the whole season so any point that you can pick up on the road will be um, will be welcome obviously you want wins but um, if you're not going to win you you got to pick up as much as you can but um, yeah, when it comes to home games, that's where the sort of the bread and butter is and Raiders will want to start off uh, well on this weekend. Yeah, and they've built up some fantastic momentum off the field as well last season. I'm getting some really big crowds um, down at Footsay and I'm sure they'll be hoping um, for more of the same this year, starting with um, Saturday's game against Seven Oaks. Well, ahead of it, um, we uh, welcome to the studio, uh, as I say, Jordan and Andrea for a, a bit of an extended chat about uh, things on the pitch, things off the pitch, and the uh, concerted effort going on at Raiders to get the whole thing set up to be the best it can be. So, uh, yeah, really interesting Guys, time. Good to club. see you, Andrea, Jordan. Uh, thanks for coming in. Thanks for having us. Uh, really nice to have you here. Um, start of a, another season. Um, come around pretty quickly, hasn't it? <laughs> and, and a big few weeks of rugby as well with the World Cup on, uh, the Men's World Cup on as well. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be a blockbuster start to the season. Um, Andrew, let me just come to you first. Just, just give us a sense of, of how you guys are, are feeling as a club ahead of the new campaign. Um, you know, I think we're all quite excited for the season ahead. We've got some some new players coming in, which is great, and it'll be really good to see them um, take to the to the park over the next few weeks. Um, and also some changes within the club as well, which uh, is really uh, got us looking forward to to progressing and moving forward. Yeah, sounds like there's quite a lot going on uh, at the Raiders. Um, Jordy, I think it's your 17th season. Is that right? As, as player and coach, man and boy. Um, yeah. Does it feel like there's a, a, as much kind of um, as much to put your teeth into this season as, as ever? Yeah, I'm just waiting for the gold watch and the ceremony. <laughs> Never. The Never. Or the razor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been growing this for 17 years. Um, yeah, it, it, it's a difficult one. I've always said that uh, I'd you know, I'd, I'd quit if I stopped enjoying it. And as soon as we got a week outside pre-season, I was I was back excited again. So, um, you know, we've 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 had a pretty hard slog during during this pre-season. But yeah, 17 seasons with the Raiders. I never thought that was going to happen. Uh, come here for a season and then kind of got stuck here, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> like like we all do. Yeah. <laughs> but. Um, Look, you know, you look at the progress. I was actually just speaking before about Robert Thiessen we were talking about and he was saying, you know, look where the Raiders were 
17 seasons ago and look where they are now. Organisation is completely different. But it's another season for us and it's, a, and it's obviously a big one. This National 2 you know, competition is tough. It's um, There was a lot of games last year where, you know, losing by, you know, less than three points, I think it happened over eight games or something, you know, we could be sitting up in the top six and, and, and slapping ourselves how good a season we had. And then there's some tight games where we came back from 28 points down at home against Worthing and, and that, that, you, that we sneak a win by the end. You know, it's, it's a great competition to be in. We've got um, a pretty durable squad at the moment, not as big as we'd like, but that that's the the factor of living in Guernsey, but we're pretty excited to get the campaign going. Um, like you've done seventeen seasons, mainly as head coach, might be. Sort of when it comes to sort of June, July, how do you sort of keep it fresh for those guys who are around sort of regularly as well? I mean, obviously we always have a bit of a changeover in players, but how do you try and keep things fresh season to season? Yeah, so nor- normally the running joke is is, is the, the time I give off. So after Siam comes around, they normally get five weeks off, you know, hell of a hell of a holiday. <laughs> but this, this season I gave them six weeks off, so they're really surprised. So... But keeping it fresh is constantly just as a coach. So the one thing I see with coaches is they, you know, they coach the same way they did 10 years ago, and it's about being adaptable. So the way I've ran preseason this year is completely different to what I've run in previous seasons. So it's making those changes. Look, you, you can run any session with the same outcomes as long as the session's different. And that's what we try to do. We constantly try to change it. Like the, we, well, we're about to find out how our fitness levels are because we completely changed how we were doing it. We looked at a lot of different sports science stuff and I just went back to it and just tried to make it as fun as possible and just run them into the ground. And, you know, we'll we'll, we'll see if we got there at that stage. We The feedback we got back is that they enjoyed it. So if we get the results from that, it's great. Um, the hardest thing is coming off a, a heavy loss. So if you've looked over the last two, two National 2 campaigns, we've dropped off towards the end of the season. And that's just because... You know, when you've got a squad of 30 competing against teams that have got a squad of 40, they can just rotate in and, and just keep keep games fresh for players. And our guys just start suffering injuries and fatigue and, and mental fatigue. Uh, we rested them two years ago, won the Siam Cup, so it was worth it. Rested them this last time and, and got spanked at Siam. <laughs> so, so you don't always get the result that you want. But for us, it's about trying to continue. Like, it's a long season. 29 games of playing rugby is long. If someone turned turned around and said you've got to play twenty nine games of cricket, you'd turn turn around and say that's insane. Mm. But we have to do it in a physical sport, so that's the hard part. So you've got to maintain that. So you'll get a couple of guys coming into preseason that you're probably asked to to sit on the sidelines a little bit further or stay off their feet, so stay off uh, uh, fitness wise and just be on bikes because we've got to get them fresh by season end, mm. um, and that's the hard part. But mainly uh, one of the things going into the season is, is changing small parts, so it's changing structures to defense attack getting him excited, running new new launch moves, something their players can get their teeth into. Um, I've heard often coaches, you know, say use the magic stick, so just something that will keep them excited and uh, make make changes. And how much does your sort of personnel dictate how you're going to approach a season in terms of game plans and structures? Yeah, completely. Mm. So the, one of the things that and <clears throat> I learned this off a, a, a coach from Australia called Wayne Bennett. I don't know if you know him, but mm. pretty famous. Yeah. And he said to me, my job is not to change the players, to highlight their their talents. 
And I've always tried to bring that in. So when we get players come in and when we've got a couple of new players coming in at the moment, I always see when I set my game plans is, is, is not to force them to do something that they don't have to do. It's to force them how they their talents can fit into what we want to do. Mm. So for for instance, if I was to play a, um, a Tom Teasdale at 12, we play a lot of pivot work off 12. So that's how we do our attack sensors off of where we're running. So basically the, the 10 doesn't control our attack anymore, the 12 does, and the, the 10 becomes obsolete and he just passes and transition and works everything from eyesight from there into ruck. If you had someone like Kieran McGann in there, then that would change. Mm-hmm. Kieran's a, a, a contact man. He wants to run hard to the line, so we'll change the dynamics of how we want to um, incorporate that. Now, don't get me wrong, when, when we try to recruit or we see young players coming through, we'll identify th- aspects that we want, but it's not the holding factor of why we bring them in. All we're looking for, I've all, often said this about players, players will turn around and try to name me five things they're good at. So they'll go, well, I'm good at this, 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 and this, and this. And I said, right, name the best player you know in the world and tell me the five things he's good at. And they can only name two. Like, you know, Johnny Wilkinson, great tackler, great kicker of the ball. Skill set was okay. You know what I mean? Fitness, yeah, all right. You know, and you go through the different things. You go Richie McCall, okay, strong, wasn't and fittest. He wasn't the most talented, got overboard pretty well, you know, and physical and that was it. And I said to the players that come in for us, you know, don't worry about the five things. You develop the other three, just be really good at the two. And it's that's what we call super coaching. So if you're a great attacker of the ball or if you're a great uh, um, skill set like a Tom Teasdale, then then completely, completely um, aim to, to be the best at that because that's the thing that's going to make you different from any other player. I probably got on a big team. <laughs> <laughs> that's really fascinating. Um, we'll, we'll come back up to the sort of uh, the on-the-field stuff um, in a bit. But, Andrea, let's bring you in. Um, off the field, I mean, we sort of touched on at the start. I mean, you know, in Geordie's time with the club, it looks completely different. I mean, literally, obviously, the name of the club is is, is different, isn't it? Um, the league is is miles ahead of where we were. Um, the whole setup uh, is miles ahead of where we are. But I guess the success in recent years... Um, you kind of you've always got to find ways to to take it on and on, and it seems like there's as much effort or there's a real concerted effort at the moment to to set the club up for what is going to be the next sort of three, five, ten years. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've been involved with the Raiders for ten years now, and um, one of the things probably in the last, I guess, six to nine months, is sort of been thinking, well, we're actually still running the club in exactly the same way that we were when I got involved 10 years ago. Uh, But what is happening and what we are has morphed into something completely different. You know, we still um, value the fact that we're a community rugby club and and really focused on the Guernsey community. But the way that we operate has changed a lot, but we haven't necessarily internally and structurally kept up with that. So um, we have a great friend of the club in Simon Perry, you know, past player, has been heavily involved over the years in, in different ways and um, he kindly offered to to undertake a bit of a 360 review um, alongside um, a review that was also done um, by sort of a, a friend from another club so that has, has sort of pointed out some real areas of, of, of growth that we could achieve as a club um, and uh, so we're, we're sort of looking at implementing those now so you know from when I first got involved to what we're turning over now the, the growth has been huge so what are we actually doing to to give back to the sponsors that are supporting us to give 
give back to the members and the crowd that are coming down. Um, you know, I, I think you, you've come away to a game with us before and what we get at Foots Lane is so much for sorry, so much more superior than, a, than an away day experience that, that, that teams get. So when teams come to Guernsey, they love coming here. Um, as much as they might complain about the cost of it, they do love coming here. So what can we do to enhance that match day experience um, to sort of shine our shoes and, and, and make sure that we're, we're operating as, 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 a, as a great business? Because even though we're a not-for-profit and we do struggle to, to make ends meet and break even each year, we, do to, we are a, a medium to large-sized business on the island that needs to be managed as a medium to large-sized business. So I think we're really lucky that we've got some great people involved at committee level who have got some great business experience and, and good acumen behind them. Um, and you know, and some a few new people have come in in the last six to 12 months with some other new ideas. So sort of trying to, to bring that all together into a plan where we can be, you know, as professional off the pitch as we are on the pitch um, and, and give such a, um, a, you know, a good product uh, to people that come and watch us and that come and see us. Yeah, fantastic. And for supporters, I mean, this year, but... I suppose in sort of two to three years. I mean, what are the sort of visible changes that that kind of fans of the club can look forward to? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that um, anybody that's got any sniff of an online presence has seen the last six months the massive transformation we've had um, in relation to our online um, social media, and um, that's a full credit to Theo Letizier for the work that he's he's done in that role. And one of our challenges is is to carry on with that because Theo is going back to uni to finish his degree in marketing and media. Funnily enough, <laughs> um, so you know we're trying to get things in place to make sure that we can carry on the good work that, that he's laid the foundation for. And I think, you know, we've gone from getting, you know, 600 people, 700 people down to a game to getting over a thousand on a regular basis, which is absolutely fantastic. Um, then we also want to be sort of, you know, out there and doing more. You know, we have this wonderful clubhouse facility that we might use 20 times a year for our, you know, men's and ladies games and, and with the Vikings as well. Um, what can we do to monetize that into a better asset? What things can we be doing down there? Um, and so as part of all of this, we've actually um, appointed a, a new position uh, within the club, uh, which is the commercial director of operations. Um, and you know, we have so many volunteers over the, you know, that have over many, many years been doing so many different bits and pieces, but to be, you know, run the way we need to we need to kind of bring that a lot of those into one person to coordinate all of that so that's what what that role will do and steve melbourne who's very familiar to to the rugby community uh has been appointed to, to that role after doing a sort of a um advertising and interview process and already he's he's making um you know, making some clear ground in relation to progressing some of those things yeah great and i mean clearly you know the club has taken huge strides on the pitch national two club now which is probably something many people wouldn't have envisaged a few years ago what dictates well, I guess there's a bit of a chicken egg a chicken and egg about it I mean do you is it what you have off the field that dictates what you can be on the pitch or do you say we want to be a top six national two club or we want to be a national one club in five years and you have to build the infrastructure around that I mean do, do you know as a club where you want to be or what you want to be I think that that's part of what we're working on <laughs> you know, we, we, we've talked about it before Geordie like we've, we've, we've lacked a, a vision or a mission as to you know what we want to achieve as a club um, and in consultation with with all our stakeholders with our members and our sponsors and our players we need to work out where you know are we happy at Nat 2? Is this where we see ourselves being as a club? Do we really want to push and go up to Nat 1? And, and what's it going to take to get there? And if everybody's committed to going up to Nat 1 and we've got the, the financial stability to be able to do it, the support to do it, the depth of players to be able to do it, then wouldn't that be amazing to do that over the course of the next, say, three to five years? 
But is that realistic? And that's all part of what we're looking at and, and trying to work out at the moment. And you've got a few new faces uh, in the lineup. Um, hopefully we'll chat to them over the next few months on this podcast. Um, but just uh, give us a sense of, of what it's like recruiting players these days. Um, you know, obviously we've had some fantastic imports into the side who've stuck around it and made a, a massive impact, well, to the rugby club and also just to the island as well. Um, so clearly that's still an important thing, but is it becoming more challenging? Um <laughs> Yeah, I guess on the, I guess just being in Guernsey, there's there's certain issues in Guernsey anyway. Um, there's housing crisis and you know cost of living is. I bet you I say cost of living, and pretty much everyone that listens to this will be complaining mm. about that. You know, it's tough, right? So, um, getting getting new players over is always difficult. You know, and that's probably the shortfall we have at the moment. But um, look, we we managed to get four guys in this season, so that's better than a slap in the face so and 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 they're quality players but um it it does prove difficult and 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 i don't know how that's going to change you know unless there's another six thousand houses built in the next 12 months it's not going to change but there's people in guernsey in the same position that are struggling to find housing so we're not sitting here beating the drum and complaining about it we we totally understand the the landscape of that um but you know it's recruitment is is obviously a part of what we do but it's not everything that we do so you know we have a huge local contingent that is still playing within the Raiders and and trying to develop them those guys coming through we've introduced another four Vikings up into the squad this year so the fact that we only got four recruits in this year yeah it dampens on what you do but you know we've got some good core players coming through Helps when you've got brothers involved as well, isn't it? You've got one brother already here and then bring another one in. Well, part of that deal was that their father, John, wanted to sign up as well. So. I'm surprised they haven't moved here. So I, was, I, I did say to him it might be a bit long on the tooth, but, you know, we might have a spot for him. But, uh, but it, it, it does help like that. And I, and I think one of the, the, the sides of recruitment is is getting getting players that you know through players. And the reason why you want to do that is because rugby has this mentality that they will not turn around and say a player is good unless he is actually good. Because, mm-hmm. there's you know, it's it, or it might be in all sports. Mm-hmm. But you can turn around to a player. Like, there's not a single player that will come through. It's Australia, New Zealand, England, Wales, whatever, that I'll get a CV through that within 10 minutes I cannot contact someone around the world and find out that someone that knows him or have seen him play. Mm-hmm. You know, the network is like that. So getting, getting those references from players. So getting, you know, if it's a brother or a friend, you know, so so we recruited uh, Hugo Culverhouse and then off the back of that we got James Berger and Kieran. But you're getting you're getting people that have played with them saying actually you know what he is quality and then that will be the the defining factor so that's all that's always an easier way for us and an easier approach just looking perhaps a bit sort of short term at this this season have you set yourself any particular goals or um is it <laughs> is it the old cliche of sort of taking yeah. it one step at a time so it's a tough one we obviously want to finish higher than we we did last season we're facing a few little um you know we don't have a, as big a squad as we as we did last season and you know um i i don't think the 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 quality in it is different i just think that the depth are slightly different so it'll tell you know by christmas we'll understand where we are we we would love to be up in that top half absolutely we've we've said that from day one um i, th- I felt we could have achieved that last season but we dropped off but we're not we're not going to hold ourselves we're not going to you know hold ourselves to to a certain position we know this this season's going to be really tough you know you've got seven oaks you've got north walsham have all recruited pretty well so all that those bottom six are going to be really tough and we've got to make sure we're outside of that by christmas 
Yeah, and I mean, to what you said before, though, Geordie, I mean, we might not have finished where we wanted to last season, but it's still the best, yeah. you know, that we have finished as, as an island um, in our history. So, um, you know, got to celebrate those those good things yeah. that we do have. And it might not have been what we wanted, but, you know, we've got to remember where we came from, where we are, um, and hopefully we'll go at least one or two better this year. I, I think that's probably a fault of my personality. <laughs> I've often said that, like, oh, we did finish ninth, we were better. And for me, it just, you know, it just can't compute. But yeah. I, I, totally, I totally understand what you mean, because it is. Like, you know, you do celebrate those small wins. Like, who would have thought we would ever be in National 2? Mm. And now we're competing in, you know, around the mid-table of National 2, although just a bit below it. It's amazing. Like, you know, we, we took on Blackheath last season at home and almost turned them over. It's really yeah. cool. Yeah. I was sorry. I was just going to say with Blackheath, we actually got um, a lovely handwritten letter from uh, one of their guys that came over, um, saying how wonderful it was to come down to Foots Lane, how welcoming the island was, how much of a nice time he had, and how disappointed he was that we'd only be playing Blackheath for for one season. Yeah. So um, it's really nice to to get that feedback um, from other clubs, and I guess Blackheath has that connection with with the Armstrong boys as well. But uh, whether um, whether Matt had moved there or not, I think it would have been an amazing yeah. experience. And, um, you know, uh, to, to get that feedback, we need to, again, pride ourselves on the experience we provide for people on match day. And in terms of, um, I mean, I was saying sort of short term or this season's goals, now that the league structure changed like the year ago so that St. Jack's can move up and play in there, how much do you look at them in, in, in the hope or for the whole club that they get that much higher so that, our second team is providing players who are playing on a on a better level, so they're more ready to go into the first team as well. Yeah, it's um, it's set in stone. <laughs> they need to get there quick. Yeah. So, um, and that's why we're trying to really invest, and not just we're not talking financially invest. We're talking, you know, obviously knowledge and and everything we can. And um, <clears throat> for them, they need to get higher. Not just for us, they need to do it for themselves because there's a lot of players down there just scoring six, seven tries a game. They're, they're beating teams by 100 points. No one wins in a, in a case like that. that. You know, sport should... I, I think the Americans probably get it right to a certain point when they have uh, running the clock or running the scoreboard and then, then they, you know, they, they force them to pull out because, you know, winning by 100 points, okay, fine, it, it, it's great, but no one really achieves much out of that. So getting them higher and quicker is better and then we can... For 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 us, it's just because I don't see us as Raiders and Vikings. I see us as one entity. Is just ensuring that we're constantly developing the right groups. As soon as they can get maybe two levels higher, then you can start integrating all the trainings because they're at that level to do it. But at the moment, and and, and rightfully so, we have to water down a lot of the stuff that we do just to make sure it's adaptable to guys that you know they've, they've got a couple of guys that haven't played rugby before mm. that turn up, and then they've got guys that have played in the academies and you know guys that have played down in the juniors and and some guys coming just back to rugby so there's a there's a pretty big mix in there first home game of the season seven oaks uh for for the raiders um it's going to be a pretty big one how much do you need the crowd kind of onside and loud from from the get-go yeah there's that's a pretty big game for us um especially if we're talking about trying to trying to push ourselves away from that bottom two so look you know, Seven Oaks coming in into ours and noting we didn't beat them last season. We drew it home to them and, and lost away. Disappointing because we finished above them. And, you know, look, they're, they're a better, better side than us on both of those occasions, I, I guess. But, um, 
you know, internally and, and probably biasedly, I thought we're a better side all round. So that one I've been targeting since the last time we lost to him. So, <laughs> you know, that's been living rent-free in my head for a while. And uh, so I've been targeting that one for sure, and that'll be one that we'll be up for. There's no love lost between us and Seven Oaks, that's for sure. And, um, you know, they'll be gunning for us and we'll be gunning for them. So that any support we get with that, you're going to see a pretty hostile environment. <laughs> Fantastic. A nice lively encounter to kick things off. And... Uh, same day as the uh, first England game at the World Cup, so it's going to be a fantastic occasion. Yeah, Andrew, just sort of overall, I mean, you mentioned the, the attendances last season and, and how they've grown. Presumably you want to build that as much as you can this year, and, and it kind of all culminates with the Siam Cup back on home soil, all four matches uh, back on the same day. Yeah. Um, just give us a sense of how excited you are for that whole season and what you can create down at the club. Yeah, I think one of the great things this season to look forward to is the fact that we've got a number of double headers with the Vikings and even some triple headers with the ladies as well. So so those days, you know, full day into the evening down at Foots Lane. Um, you know, it's very dangerous, <laughs> but, you know, there's also something a bit special about Rugby Under Lights as well. So um, to be able to have, um, you know, double headers and triple headers and, you know, people that perhaps, um, you know, are, are, um, steadfast fans of the, of the men's game, if the ladies are playing afterwards, you know, they might stick around and, and see, you know, what kind of level we're producing for, for women's rugby in the island as well, which is, is fantastic. Um, and yeah, so I think that, you know, increasing the, the people getting down and watching and we've, we sort of had a few initiatives already where at the West Show, um, you know, we're handing out flyers so people could come down to the first game free of charge and see what it's like to come down for, for a match day down at Foots Lane. Um, we did it last season, we'll be doing it again this year around um, initiatives in the schools to get some of the kids down with free entry for parents so because of course under 16s are always um, free entry so um, giving that free entry to the parents to give give them an incentive to come down and, and see what it's all about so um, a few things in that area and, and just you know if you're at a loose end on a, a Saturday afternoon you know come down and see what it's all about because um, there's always a great atmosphere uh, Rocky is usually doing something entertaining on the pitch whether it's uh, riding Graham scooter scooter <laughs> or, uh, or um, mimicking the scrubs um, and you know we've got you know, you know you've got the music we've got all that the atmosphere you know can be quite electric sometimes um and then when you get people like Dawkins coming over and bringing 120 supporters with them and you know having a very competing crowd as well um i i know i'm biased as well but i don't think you can get much better uh, i've got to ask you about the world cup as well uh, <laughs> maybe... asking two aussies about the world exactly. cup okay i've thought about avoiding the question but yeah we'll, we'll, we'll skim off england but yeah i mean just uh, as... no, no, let's go <laughs> We'll get into the weeds with England. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, just uh, as a tournament overall, uh, Jordy, from a coach's perspective, what are you going to be kind of keeping an eye on uh, as a sort of rugby nerd? <laughs> Try and switch off and just have a few things. Um, look, uh, it's going to be pretty exciting. It was funny, I was just saying to uh, a, a few of the lads before, six months ago everyone said this was going to be the most exciting World Cup because there's about five or six teams that could win it. Now it's like, well, I think there's only two. <laughs> After all the warm-up games, France look like they're dropping off and, you know, the Aussies are nowhere to be seen. So I think Fiji go through our pool. <laughs> so, you know, England are dropping off as well. But I think it's going to be pretty exciting. Look, World Cups are fantastic. Eh? I mean, um, I remember watching the, the last one. I was over in England watching a few games. It was fantastic. And um, 
it's just one of those occasions where, you know, the fact that it comes around four years is, is great, you know, and I think, you know, especially if you're in the clubs watching, you know, Australia beat Wales or something like that by 30-odd points. It's going <laughs> <laughs> to be pretty amazing. I don't, well, I think I think Australia versus Wales is probably going to be the deadest game that's going to be played. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're, we're showing uh, most of the games down at the club as well, so hopefully we can build up a good atmosphere down there as well. But I don't know, I just, uh, you know, it's, particularly, that pool with Scotland, South Africa, um, and Ireland to think that one of them, I mean, you know, Scotland, they beat France the other day, like oh. amazing. So to think that one of them isn't going to get through out of the pools is, is quite phenomenal. It's um, good for us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was, at, I was at Twickenham on Friday night for the South Africa New Zealand game, and uh, South Africa just. Anyway, they absolutely tore apart New Zealand and New Zealand were making just rookie mistakes that you just don't expect an All Blacks outfit to make. So, I mean, maybe they've just dropped the ball for that game and they'll come out, you know, with all guns blazing in the opening round. Who knows? But I do think there's going to be some exciting games of rugby. Prediction, quickly, winner. I don't want it, mm-hmm. but I just can't go past South Africa. But I think New Zealand's going to be in there. I, I, I think France is going to drop away purely because they just they've lost too many of their best players. Um, I hope France. I'd rather France win it, honestly, than South Africa again, purely because South Africa just went into too many times. Yeah. <laughs> they just become world dominators. Yeah. Andrew? Uh, idealistically, Ireland. Um, but their form in World Cup is yeah. down the toilet. So <laughs> if they can bring it, if they can bring it this year, that'd be great. I mean, they've had the last 12, 18 months, yeah. some of their performances have been phenomenal. Um, so I'd really love to see Ireland win. Um, and I just hope we get yeah. on the stages. <laughs> yeah, the I mean, <laughs> If the Irish win, we're probably all celebrating, but yeah. I, just, I just wouldn't want to put the house on it. <laughs> well, there's a lot of rugby to be played this season, a lot of rugby to be watched as well. So it's going to be fantastic. Thanks for joining us. And uh, yeah, we'll catch up, uh, catch up soon. Cheers, thanks. Cheers. Cheers. Jordan Reynolds and Andrea Harris speaking to us there. It's great to see them. Uh, and uh, yeah, Gareth, you'll be down at Footslane on Saturday. I think I will be too. So uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing that one. And if you want to hear a bit more uh, ahead of the new rugby season overall locally, um, pick up a copy of the Guernsey Press on Friday. We've got a big rugby supplement in there along with um, some uh, content ahead of the World Cup. So plenty to read uh, on Friday for you. Um, right. It is a big weekend um, for golf. Uh, we'll Perhaps a, a little uh, look ahead to the interinsulars that are taking place over in Jersey this weekend. Um, but let's start with what happened last weekend because we yeah, we started the pod with a very heavy uh, defeat for Guernsey in the cricket. Um, but this was a very, very positive weekend for Guernsey Golf on home soil um, at junior and sort of veteran level. Yes, very much so. It was a very sunny Sunday and a very um, glorious Sunday for Guernsey Golf with the with the juniors wrapping up a 13.5 to 1.5 win over Jersey in their, in their under-18 in Trinsula, um, having whitewashed them in the four balls on Saturday. Um, the singles w- went pretty much as you would expect and it just shows the, the strength and depth Guernsey Junior Golf is enjoying at the moment. They're having a really good uh, sort of purple patch in terms of the, the cycle of, of players and they showed just how good they are on, on Sunday morning and, and on the Saturday. But it was also good for the for Guernsey seniors after last year's um, that horrible reverse where um, in the singles jersey absolutely dominated at Langcrest and they, they basically called it the miracle at Langcrest last year when jersey single uh, jersey seniors overturned uh, a deficit overnight and uh, managed to win. Guernsey got their revenge and, and won 9-6. It looked a bit nervy a couple of times in, on Sunday morning, but um, yeah, the, the tail end matches came good for Guernsey and it was a deserved victory. I think they, they all played very well. They all played their part in it and... Uh, 
yeah, it turned into a, a very satisfactory weekend for Guernsey Golf as a whole. Yeah, that's what we like to hear. Well, let's get a bit more on the uh, junior uh, result in particular. Um, a very impressive crop of youngsters uh, in the Guernsey ranks at the moment. And uh, you caught up with uh, team manager Andre Austin um, to get his reaction. Yeah, other guys have been absolutely phenomenal uh, all weekend. Um, we know we've got an incredibly hard-working group. I think the thing that defines them for me is their work ethic. It's absolutely phenomenal. And you tally that with togetherness. We've done a lot of work uh, with different coaches with them and the response to you know being coaches. And bear in mind, we've got some really experienced players. The buy-in has been universal and their willingness to help each other and their teammates. So you get all that sort of combination of factors, plus the fact we know we've got some gun players. Um, what we're particularly pleased about this weekend is we knew our biggest danger to guard against was complacency. And that was the kind of message and it was respect the ability of the opposition because Jersey, I know that on paper we're a lot stronger, but we knew that they would come at us and we knew they've got some great players. I think, you know, yesterday some of the statistics were phenomenal. We had, I think, five players under par on their own ball. Two players were four under par. I don't care where you're playing men's golf or junior golf. You're going to find it very hard to compete with that. So I think the way it's got the information, uh, you know, when we brief them, and they executed. We just couldn't have asked for any more. Yeah, um, yeah. Like you say, overnight, sort of it's five nil. But I suppose going into the, the morning session, you, you know that you're going to be favourites in that. Have you? Yeah. But to, to execute again is is, uh, is another thing. And for youngsters to come out and do that is is very impressive. Uh, absolutely. You know, Jersey came out this morning, and again, we understand. You know, it's very probably quite unusual for a lot of Guernsey teams to go out and be you know overwhelming favourites. But that brings a pressure in itself. But we're talking about, you know, ages here from, you know, sort of 13 up to, you know, 18. Um, but their ability to sort of execute and, you know, take on board that and, and actually, you know, guard against complacency. We knew they'd come out firing this morning. Jersey played phenomenal golf. They were hitting us with birdies uh, and, and a lot of them got off to kind of fast starts. But it shows the maturity of, uh, of the group that they can just calm down, settle down, play their own golf. Yeah. Um, and actually kind of looking forward, I know a number of them in the men's team, whatever, next week. But um, I think part of my job with this, and, and obviously the guys alongside me, is we're trying to prepare them to play men's golf ultimately yeah. and help them on their journey. Mm. Uh, and I think what, when they get into that group and when they start playing men's golf, they're going to set really high standards. Mm. And actually what they'll do is bring everyone up yeah. because it's inevitable because these guys are so demanding. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and because it's such a good group, they, they drive themselves on as well to, to better each other I suppose so we, we probably we, we spoke about uh, you know uh, yesterday um, we spoke about kind of respect and th that goes in a number of kind of ways but we're using that almost as a kind of motivator you look your opponent uh, in the eye you shake their hands before the game and then you're down to business and with the nicest way in the world this is the nicest bunch of kids you'll ever meet but they are utterly ruthless on the golf course and even today when we got the game won you know, the message was keep your foot down um, you know it was relentless and um, they don't like losing right they don't like losing at chess or tiddlywinks doesn't mean they can't be nice guys but when they're out there and they're focused that's it yeah. it's all about winning golf matches from what I hear they don't like losing a hole let alone a match <laughs> uh, I think we had one stat that uh, Conor McKenna lost his first hole in interinsular golf um, this weekend yeah. that kind of sums up the drive and he is again uh, his work ethic, we know how hard Jaden works and the others and stuff as well, but 
there's no um, it's no accident he is where he is and, and the other guys within the kind of group but I was really pleased with the younger guys I mean I was pleased with the kind of whole group uh, how everyone stepped up um, you know we had a couple of guys who had difficult days yesterday comparatively you've got to put things into context but the way they came back today and particularly Noah Davi you know taking out the, the Channel Island um, junior fire list in an absolute humdinger of a game tells you all need to know about him so yeah I I'm, I'm blown away. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not kind of shocked, but actually, I probably wasn't expecting, you know, the, the distance in terms of how far we, you know, how. how. And the other thing I would say is that I don't, I, I don't want to do it a kind of disservice to Jersey because they were very, very good. Um, but when they were making birdies, we were making eagles, and uh, you know, hats off to them. They were phenomenal this morning, and they played some brilliant golf yesterday. Um, but um, you know. On paper, we were a better team, but more importantly, we executed when we had to. Don Austin, speaking to you there. Um, right, let's have a quick look ahead to the weekend. Um, as I say, Guernsey's men and women going off to Jersey um, for the Interinsula. We spoke about the, the team news uh, or the team selections uh, a few weeks ago. Um, yeah, we'll see if it, it's a hot uh, weekend uh, as it has been uh, all week. Uh, it could be quite sort of uh, yeah, a testing, sapping couple of days if it's um, been anything like uh, it has been this week. Um, yeah, what's the sense you get, Gareth, of, of how things are shaping up? Um, I do think they're worried about the weather. Lemoy. <laughs> <laughs> If it's if it's no breeze at Lemoy and it, it's quite exposed, so if, if if the sun's out, it could be a very energy sapping weekend for the Guernsey. Well, for all for all the teams, um, but certainly from the from the men's point of view, they're they're sort of quietly confident. As thing is with golf interinsulars, the home side are always going to go in as marginal favourites. Um, Guernsey will be underdogs because they don't win in Jersey very often. I think our record at Lemoy is slightly better than the one at Royal Jersey, though. So there's there's something there. And the fact that um, yeah, three of those juniors that won so handsomely last weekend are, are part of the the team this weekend, and and they are pretty much um, among the, the the lowest handicaps in the team. So um, they won't have any fear going into this. In fact, you get the impression with those juniors that they just want to best every everyone they play against. So um, it'll be a, I'm sure they'll um, settle in very quickly. But I think the the men's side are they've got enough confidence. They they know it's going to be a hard task, but um, they'll certainly fancy their chances. And yeah, the the women's side as well. They they've got about as strong a side as they can field. So um, it'd be interesting to see how they get on too. Yeah, well, let's hear a bit more about the men's side of things um, from Ireland manager Dave Jeffrey. Yeah, I think we've seen over the years that home and away the last three or four holes determine most matches. I mean, two years ago we were very close to winning it at Royal Jersey. Probably should have had a good lead going into the, the foursomes after day one, um, but you know, we let some holes slip. Uh, and the same story on the on the Saturday afternoon in the, in the foursomes. We, we were, although we lost it pretty heavy, we lost it on the last two or three holes. So mm. the, the important message would be to you know finish finish strong. If, you, if you're ahead or, or or you're close with a few holes to go, you know, just just stick in there and um, hopefully get a result. Mm. And how do you evaluate the the morale within the camp? Because you're going there as as the holders, so it's obviously um, it's a, be a good one to defend. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we're probably. I mean, every year, last few years, I've said we're the strongest we've been for a while. And I think that's the case again. You know, we've got we're bringing in three juniors, uh, Rory, Connor, and Jaden. But you know, they're probably three of our lowest players. So I've got no worries about about how they're going to perform. Um, since you named the side, I mean, have, have you had the, the feedback from the juniors about um, sort of how much they're looking forward to it? Any nerves do you sort of notice with them? No nerves. I think, I think they're looking forward to it, but you've got to remember that these guys now go away and play a lot of tournaments in the UK. Um, you know, Jaden's going away. Connor and Rory have played a lot for Hampshire. 
uh, as has Jaden. So yeah, no, I think I think in terms of playing against opponents at this level, they, they've they, they've they've been there and done it before, even though it's their first one. Um, you know, it's not as if they're stepping up a level. I don't think. Mm. Any particular message you're going to give the side come Saturday morning? Mm. No, just go out, enjoy it, play your best golf. Um, it's never easy away from home, but I think if we if we play well, we've got every chance. Mm. I was going to say, out of the two Jersey courses, actually, we've got a bit of a better record at the moment, don't we? We have. Um, we say better. I think we've won once there <laughs> recently. Um, but yeah, I think it's just we don't we don't seem to play Lemoy as much as we play Royal Jersey. Mm. But no, no problems where we play. Um, we're confident going into it. Men's manager Dave Jeffrey there. Uh, yeah, we'll be uh, right across what's going on over in Jersey, and you, you better read more, I'm sure, uh, in the paper uh, start of next week. Right, I think that's just about it from us. Bit of a bumper episode again this week, but it is a busy time. Uh, lots to get stuck into. Anything else in the diary there, Gareth, that we've missed? Well, it is, it's actually the start of the uh, local league hockey season as well this weekend, so the Footslane is going to be a busy, busy area, and um, Yobbo's and Indies ladies will be starting their title defences on, on Saturday. Um, so it's the uh, start of another interesting season I'm sure there'll be some great matches down there and it'll be nice to see the new uh, Memorial Field uh, Astro in action as well later on in, in the season when Elizabeth College start their start their campaign in men's division one but yeah it's a busy weekend as well with um, sort of rowing the Guernsey's strongest competition is on at uh, last post on Saturday which always brings a good crowd popping up there to, to show you've got and unfortunately I'm not available <laughs> for that one I, do, I wouldn't want to put anyone else to shame and um, yeah there's there's also obviously a lot of football going on we're currently in the um, Jeremy Cup first round tyres and there's a couple of those on Friday night at Blanche Bear Lane and at the track and then also on um, on Saturday afternoon at St Peter's so there, there's plenty for us to get our teeth sunk into yeah uh, there was a cracking game wasn't there in midweek um, North coming back to beat Rangers in the Jeremy um, so yeah lots of local football this week we will be back on Monday with a football podcast so keep your ears out for that um, but yeah I think that's just about it from us our thanks to Upgrade Fitness um, for their support of this show uh, we'll be back a little earlier or back on schedule I should say next week um, on Wednesday with another Guernsey Press Sport podcast um, so yeah do make sure you're you're following us or subscribing uh, wherever you get your shows um, do uh, like and follow wherever you get your social media as well um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Thread at GSY Press Sports, a place to go and of course pick up a paper six days a week for comprehensive coverage of everything going on in local sport. Uh, right, cheers Gareth, see you soon. Cheers Tony.